I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail. And we welcome you to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, our award-winning weekly podcast. This has been a labor of love for us, and we are now asking for your support. Please join Aging Reimagined Circle, our sustaining membership fund, so we, we may continue to inspire women to age with curiosity, courage, and creativity. Aging Reimagined Circle also hosts probing discussions each month. Visit our upcoming events at womenover70.com and join us today. And today we're delighted to be talking with Roxanne Lorch, full-time artist, age 85. She works out of her studio in Durham, North Carolina. She exhibits her work in juried shows and she happily wins awards. Roxanne was among the first women to work in commercial design and graphics, who was not a secretary. Mm. She then worked for many years in the interiors field. And overall, her first career lasted 40 years. Another first. Roxanne says that she is the, quote, oldest first-time bride in history. In 2007, after nearly 40 years, Roxanne connected with a former boyfriend, moved with him to North Carolina, proposed to him in his hospital bed, and mourned his death in 2014. Mm. Roxanne currently ages in place in an over 55 community where she's created a new family of friends. And another first, Roxanne was a member of the first chapter of the Transition Network, TTN, that started in Manhattan in 2001. TTN continues to be, as she says, her guiding light. Mm -hmm. Roxanne was referred to us by Ronnie Buckley, another TTN member, and an earlier podcast guest. So welcome, Roxanne. We're so happy to have you with us. And I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> right. Well, let's begin with the Transition Network. Just tell, briefly tell us what it is, when did you get involved, and why, and what keeps you involved at this point? Um, TTN was begun, as you said, in 2001. And the basis was to empower women in making life decisions and transitions from retirement on. I got involved when my mother had died a month before, and she said to me on her deathbed, haven't you worked enough? And I said, you know what? I'm 64, you're right. So I got back home and I was floundering and I got a call from Charlotte Frank, the founder of TTN, and just, we're starting this thing. Come. And so I sat with 18 people in Christine Millen's apartment, the other founder, and that's how TTN began. Hmm. And we started, our new Bible was called, hmm. Don't Retire, Rewire. And we read it carefully and... I decided that, okay, my next career is going to be, for the time being, too prompt. And I went into um, being a professional organizer, because in Manhattan, everybody lives in a place that's too small. <laughs> and um, also decided to go back to design and art. And I went to the well-known Art Students League to study animal anatomy and portraiture. Mm. That went on for 12 years. I became a 
and I kept on the um, uh, the professional organizing as long as I stayed in New York. But uh, I started to show my work professionally in 2007 and began winning awards and continued as a pastelist. And when I moved here to North Carolina, I signed up with local organizations and uh, a national pastel group and um, continued to do this, bringing on um, pen and ink and watercolor, acrylic, oil, things like that, and just kept on. And this became one of my passions and reason for getting up in the morning. <laughs> And I have a studio in Durham, and we'll tell you more about that as we go on. But TTN, I digressed a little, TTN stayed in my life until I moved. I had a peer group that has gone on for 20 years. I had to drop it when I moved, but uh, that continued when Zoom started. Mm -hmm. And so I still meet up with them, even though they're in New York and I'm here. And I volunteered to have a um, discussion with um, Darla, the president, for the 20th anniversary. And during that talk, I mentioned to her that TTN was not meeting the needs of people over 70. She said, well, let's do something about that. And so Coast to Coast, which is a division of TTN, was started. Mm. And I was asked to be on the steering committee. So that's how I've been involved all along. And it's been a great nourishment for me. <laughs> so just to, uh, Ronnie Buckley, I believe, is um, one of the leaders of the Coast to Coast She's chapter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She's one of our, as I mentioned, one of our guests and one of our favorite people, actually. So um, let's just go back for a little bit in terms of the when you started working in commercial design and graphics, and you were you were one of the few women working in, at, at a professional level. What was that? What was that like? What were some of the experiences that you had? Well, starting when I started to look for work in 1960. People were secretaries, nurses, wives, writers. I only knew one doctor, and I didn't go to school with her. And um, when I went into graphics and design, I had a really hard time. Uh, people didn't want to hire me. You'll get married. You'll have a baby. You'll distract the men. When I promised to look ugly, they wouldn't do it. <laughs> So I finally got something in commercial design and I worked my way up from the bottom. And at some point in around 10 years later, I got really bored with packaging and graphics and decided my favorite package was an egg and the brown paper bag and decided it's time to move on. So I moved into commercial interiors where there were a lot of women and gay men. Mm -hmm. So that part was easy. Um, I had a wonderful time in commercial interiors until I found myself lonely at the drawing board. Mm -hmm. 
and saw all the people who were calling on me, and they were having fun. I said, I think I'll go into sales. And I did that. And I went to work for a commercial carpeting company. And they said, um, great, we want a designer. You go out, you'll call the designers, you'll go out and see them, and you'll bring in a lot of business from the men. I went out and brought in a lot of business from the women. <laughs> I also thought that, oh, my God, designers are going to think that I'm a wuss because I left design. And guess what? They thought I was gutsy. Mm. And they liked it. So other people followed me into the sales field. Oh. Mm -hmm. wow. So that was, sales was the last stint you did then as in that For whole industry? Years, yeah. mm -hmm. mm. and I, okay, we want to hear the story about being the oldest bride in yes. history. First right. time bride in history. Mm -hmm. <sighs> okay. Um, I met this guy in 1965. And we went together for three years, but for one reason or another, it didn't work. And we ran into each other on the streets of New York two or three times. But he had moved out California. And I got a call in 2007 saying, hi, this is Ed. And uh, would you like to have lunch? I said, why are you calling me? Um, What's going on? He said, I'm getting a divorce. Okay. <laughs> we met for lunch, and this time things really clicked. And we were commuting back and forth from New York and Boston. And he was a Southern gentleman, and he wanted to move back to North Carolina. I said, fine. You move. I'll stay here. We'll commute. <laughs> he said, fine. But I'm going to look for somebody to live with. I said, I'm coming. <laughs> so we moved down here and we've been I've been here ever since. Um he unfortunately was diagnosed with advanced lung cancer in 2013. And somewhere around January of 2014, when I heard things were moving downhill quickly. I said, hey, Ed, you want to get married? He said, sure. <laughs> so we did. We got married in the hospital. Wow. And his son was there. And we grabbed two people walking down the aisle, down the hallway as witnesses. <laughs> and I got married. <laughs> he said, I've been waiting 50 years for this. Oh. <laughs> oh my! So bittersweet, and then he died shortly after that. Yes, three months later. Getting oh married was the best thing I ever did. Why? In what way? Yeah, I had never married. I was a single woman all my life, and I had no idea there was still capes going on in my head. From all the old days of, you know, women get married. All I know is after I did this, the tape stopped. Mm -hmm. And I was very comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I had no great need to date again or whatever. And life was sweet. Because <laughs> you did that. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. 
So, so what, what kind of work are you doing now, Roxanne? I am quite involved. I just finished a month's course on uh, working in different types of color and studying color so that I can paint some, you know, I don't have to make boring paintings of landscapes in green. They can be whatever I want, mm -hmm. but uh, it's very tough. It was fun. I keep, I tried to keep up and improve constantly. I have a studio in Durham that I'm very involved in and I have shows. I'm in three exhibits right now. Mm. Um, I constantly try to grow and develop and um, I sell my work mm -hmm. and I love it. <laughs> and you obviously have a website. So how could people find your work? Yes, you can find me at R-O-X-A-N-N-E-L-O-R-C-H dot com. Ah, www dot roxanneorge.com. Right. <laughs> and are you, do you work in all of these different mediums now? Or, or are you focusing on one over the other? Depends when you ask. If I go out in the spring and or summer, and when, if it's not too cold or not too hot, I go out with pen and ink and watercolor because it's easy for me to move around. Mm -hmm. uh, when I'm in the studio, I'll work in um, oil or acrylic, different media. But to me, that is more, I have to, it's scattered. Have you stayed in North Carolina? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. At this point, my life is here. I used to go up twice a year to New York, mm -hmm. but not have, during COVID, that was dead. Mm -hmm. And I built up quite a community of friends and groups here. Mm -hmm. And so, so tell us about living in uh, an over 55 community, retirement community. It's not a it's not a senior living facility, correct? No. no. So tell us about that. Senior living facility. I'm sorry. Uh, an over 55 community. Um, very active. Lots of clubs. An indoor outdoor swimming pool, pickleball courts, tennis courts. I still play pickleball. Mm -hmm. um, loads of clubs and things to do, all kinds of interests. It's a lot easier for me and, uh, to live here than it was in my apartment in New York because it's there's so many people who you can find your own way with. Mm -hmm. There's singles groups. There, there's something every night of the week. Mm -hmm. And so it's an easy way if you want to be with other people to do it. Mm -hmm. Book clubs. Uh, singing clubs, uh, intellectual clubs. And, the, and is this in Durham or is this in Cary? Where, where is in Cary. Yeah. And one of the things that I did here, which of course I was also involved in in New York, I helped start, I was a founder of TIP, which is Thriving in Place, um, community effort of neighbors helping neighbors. Mm -hmm. And it's very important because people need rides to doctors, uh, meal trains when they're sick, and uh, people get under the weather, and we're there to help. 
Yeah. Is this um is is this a, a something that you created or is it part of a national movement? Neighbors helping neighbors. Uh, there is a group that's a national thing. It's the villages, and uh, TTN started this up in New York called the Caring Collaborative. Tip mm -hmm. itself is something we started here, and then we joined this national network. Mm -hmm. And there are two okay. kinds. There's vertical and horizontal. Vertical was in New York, where people all live in high rises. And here it's different houses spread all over a community. Mm -hmm. But they're together because of this group. Yeah. Do you have a question, Gail? No, I was just, I, I, yes, I do. I was just curious as to the over 55 it's so it's not a life care community no right and so it's there's it's simply that the neighbors have gotten together to organize these various uh support systems so that people can continue to live there exactly and if you were to need uh long-term support what would you do that's a whole other thing <laughs> I am giving a talk um, in two weeks for TTN mm -hmm. on just this subject. Mm -hmm. you know, stay put or move on. Mm -hmm. It's a whole other thing. And um, it requires laying out of money, mm -hmm. a lot of money. Um, it's giving up space. It, um, it's very much needed for people like myself who have no family here or children. Mm -hmm. I need to do this down the road. Mm -hmm. If you have somebody who's there, children, uh, uh, cousins, whatever, and they can help getting on the ladders and driving and doing the gardening, then you can stay in place. And don't have to move to one of these places. Do the villages make a difference? Up to a point. Mm -hmm. uh, if you get frail, you're frail. Mm -hmm. You can break a bone. You can do all kinds of things. Uh, or you need to hire aides. Uh, we have people living here older than I. Mm -hmm. But I usually have family close by. Yes. I have lucky. Uh, most people my age are not in the shape I'm in. Mm -hmm. And since I can stay here, I am. Mm -hmm. But should I, should that change? I'm on the waiting list in two mm -hmm. or three senior places. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's smart. And yes. I do this year by year because if I get frail or have an accident, mm -hmm. I live in a 2,400-square-foot house. Mm -hmm. I lived in a 700-square-foot apartment. I'm the only person who upsized. <laughs> well, that is unusual, right? <laughs> Tell us what you do to stay so healthy. Mm -hmm. I wish I knew. I mean, I had, <laughs> last year I wasn't so healthy. I had a colonade, and I had some very serious surgery. But I work with a trainer twice a week. Mm -hmm. I play pickleball. I have a good mental attitude. Mm 
Mm-hmm. I had a mother who was playing tennis at 87. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess also I've become so old that I'm finally called a role model. <laughs> How do you like that? <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, I, I was curious about um, going back to the transition network and the, uh, your comment to Darla Hastings, the president, that there wasn't enough going on for women seventy and older. And so, what did you? What do you see as the needs, the interests of women seventy and older? We're all still going through transitions. Life doesn't change. You know, where is it? We just talked about one of them, where you were getting places for your mother and father to live. It becomes places for you to live. Mm-hmm. You know, what I will be talking to TTN about. Uh, the death of my husband. Mm-hmm. Learning to deal with that. Um, COVID. It was awful living alone. You know, uh, everybody has transitions. Everybody's transition is different. But we all have them constantly. Uh, Perhaps having memory issues. Uh, Problems with a child or a grandchild. Whatever it might be. And they need to be attended. And so we've got someone else in the TTN group with that I'm with that is also heading up programs that address a lot of issues of people 70 and up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what what um, what what matters to you at, at this point? What is what are some of the issues that really matter to you? Is it you've talked about home, where to where to live, and how to in- anticipate but are there certain issues that you're I'm an extrovert you're an extrovert I need to be with other people Mm -hmm. I have an animal my cat mean is my family (laughs) but I need my art I need a purpose Mm -hmm. and something to I'm ADD, so I have to write everything down. Otherwise, I won't remember. But I need reasons to look forward to things. Mm -hmm. I don't bore easily. And so I'm happy Mm -hmm. and and content. And um, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but COVID helped me with that. Help me with the, I have to, I must, I must be there, I must see that show. Mm-hmm. We couldn't do it anyway, and I still existed. Mm-hmm. And boy, did that help. Now it's, yeah, if I see it, I see it. If I don't, I don't. Mm-hmm. So these are the things that I deal with now, and I'm much more phlegmatic about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Gail's nodding. I think she relates to what you just said. I absolutely relate to what you said. And I found the very same thing over COVID was that my need to go, go, go and to constantly be socializing and all, I I found that I was able to let that go 
and enjoy more of being on my own and all. However, like you, I am a very social person. And so I have to get my fix <laughs> from friends and, and uh, through, uh, through cultural pursuits. When would you like to stop by for coffee? <laughs> I wish we were closer. <laughs> Thank God for Zoom. It was a lifesaver. Yes, it was. That's yeah, right. Certainly. Absolutely. Yes. You know, we talked to someone uh, recently, very recently who is, um, she, she's a playwright and a performer, and she's in her late 70s. And she said that she feels more creative than ever. And I'm wondering about, it sounds to me like your creative creativity is thriving and you keep learning. So can you Absolutely. say a little more about that for you? My mother was my role model. And she always kept going. She was very creative. And she said, never stop learning. Never stop doing. Never stop being. And that's what I have continued to do. And I find that I'm resourceful enough. And if I'm not sure, I'll call a friend. <laughs> pick their brain and do something like that. So there's always something new to explore. Yes. Right. And, and how do you think about, uh, about aging and your own aging process? You're in good health. You told me that you're a young 85. So do you, do you think about it or how do you think about it? Most people hide their age. I'm proud of mine. Um, a friend, the late friend's son asked me last week, how long do you want to live? I said, that's an odd question. Mm. Uh, I said, I want to live as long as I can enjoy life fully. No, if, if I, my body is falling apart, why bother? If my brain is falling apart, why bother? And I won't remember. But um, um, I forgot your question. <laughs> it's about how you how you think about your own aging process, and I think you. I'm just letting it be, and and it's happening. I'm very pleased with how what's happening and I guess I've chosen well I'm not right. conscious of it it just obviously I'm making decisions and I must be making good ones for me mm -hmm. and I think one of the most important things I'm doing is my trainer because if I didn't have him I wouldn't be exercising oh. and people are falling apart without it mm -hmm. yes yes for sure. I agree <laughs> Mm -hmm. You told me when we talked, when you and I talked, that you said um, your the best your your best life has been since uh, age sixty five. This is true, and I'm not sure why. Um, I guess I didn't feel that I had to count out to others anymore. That mm -hmm. I do what I wanted to do. I was always working for somebody else under somebody else. Uh, I didn't have to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Isn't that delicious? <laughs> that I'm sorry? I said, isn't that a delicious feeling? Oh, yes. 
<laughs> Roxanne, is there anything else you'd like to share with our, our listeners before we close? Only that I think what both of you are doing is absolutely wonderful. Uh, to bring to the world women's roles, what we've accomplished, mm-hmm. how different it was 40 years ago, mm-hmm. and how you're bringing it for everybody to see and to enjoy. And I thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Very gracious. Thank you. And listeners, thanks to your loyalty, our numbers are growing all across the United States and even the world. This is a good thing. Still, we need more subscribers. Please click on the the subscribe button on our YouTube channel, Women Over 70 Aging Reimagined, and wherever you find our podcast. See you next Wednesday.